Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. Grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, we're going to be there in a few minutes. Either the hard copy you brought with you or on your electronic device or... Uh, You can look on with somebody else, or you can just listen, because I'll be reading it to you. But on the back of your song sheets, there are notes. There are notes that we have put together specifically for you guys, and blanks for you to fill out, so that you can, uh, you know, kind of hang with us and follow along. And uh, so we have this one uh, here, and like I said, we're all about wanting to know who God is, responding to His invitation. And as we've talked about in this series so far, is that one of the ways that God communicates Himself to us is through His names. Names in the Bible are a big deal. They mean something. They matter. They communicate something specific and something important about the person. God uses that same formula for Himself so that we can get to know Him and believe right about Him and experience Him in a right way. So, That is what God wants for us. And so one of the ways he does that is through his name. So we've been walking through the names of God. We've got another one tonight. And man, this one is awesome. So here we go. El Elyon is the name of God. It's a combination of two Hebrew names, meaning God, uh, or strong one, and uh, high or most high. So basically what it means is when you see it translated in your Bibles, we're going to look at that tonight. It means God most high. That's what it means. That's what you fill in that blank with. God most high. Not sort of high, kind of high, sometimes high, most high. There is no one greater, bigger, no one has more supremacy than God does. He is God most high. All right? Now, we're going to look at three truths that we gather from this name that God wants us to know, and then three applications or three impacts into our personal life if we will believe it and follow what God puts out for us in terms of who He is. So, three truths. And then three responses and applications from us, if we want that. And I'm hoping we do, because God sure wants it for us. So, here we go. The first meaning, or the first truth, is your first uh, next blank. It says, because God most high, because He is most high, it means that God has the rightful claim to everything and everyone everywhere. God has the rightful claim to everything and everyone everywhere. God most high means that he has a rightful claim. Uh, one of the scriptures I've listed for you, Genesis 14, 19, it says this, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. We see this reflected several places in the New Testament. One of those places, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, which says all things were created by him. All things were created by him and for him. Right? He is the possessor of all things. That means every atom, every molecule that exists, is owned by God. It's owned by Him. So you know what that means? That means we are managers. Everything you have is on loan from God. You didn't create it. God gave it to you. God gave you the ability, and He gave you the thing. From the breath in your lungs to the stuff in your pockets, man, God owns it all because He is the possessor of all things. So that means you and I, we are merely stewards. We are managers. He has entrusted this to us. He entrusted our lives to us, and one day he's going to ask for them back. One day he's going to ask us what we did with what he gave us. Because it tells us in his word that there is a day of accounting coming. It's a day of accounting. Um, Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare 
before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. Listen, he knows what's going on with you. You can't fool him. You can't fake him. You can't, can't hide from him. Okay? Can't do that. Right? Have you ever did that when you're a little kid? You play hide and seek and just close your eyes when you're a little kid and say, no one can see me. I'm, I'm in invisible mode. Anybody do that? Only me? That's because I was born in Canada. So that's how that, we play that up there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for your participation. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that was uh, pretty useless. Okay. So, yeah, no, no. Listen, he sees everything. We can't fool him. As C.S. Lewis says, at the judgment seat, there's going to be surprises. Because things that seem one way, God sees the motive. God sees the attitude. God sees what's going on inside. Romans 14 verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. There's a day coming when we will give an account to Him. He will ask us, what did we do with what He gave us? What He entrusted to us. Think of it this way. Imagine that, um, that I come, I use Ty. I'm, I'm friends with Ty. And uh, Ty's awesome. Love Ty. So I, I bring Ty uh, into my house. I say, hey, Ty, come out here in the driveway with me. Look at this. I just got a brand new charger, man. It's a brand new charger. Brand spanking new. All the bells and whistles. I'm super pumped about it. It's a muscle car. I love it. It's great. And you know what, Ty? I'm going to let you use it for six months. So, yeah, man, there's a lot of secret gadgets in there. It's super cool. Go have fun. Be a blessing to others and, and just have, have a good time with it and use it, use it well. So Ty takes it, doesn't ask for my help in any way, shape, or form, and takes off. And over the next six months, he just destroys the car. He runs into things. He runs into uh, anything that he sees, uh, you know, anything that he's like, oh, this will be a fun target. You know, he runs to it and he brings it back. It's scratched up. It's, he, he wrecks the inside. It's like, was there a sale at McDonald's for French fries? I don't know what's happening in here. You know, he just, he just destroys my car. He brings it back to me and he, he gives it back to me after six months. What is my response to Ty going to be, do you think? You know, I just, I just tell you what it's going to be. First of all, I'm going to be heartbroken. Why? Because I trusted something that I cared about, that I was super excited about, to Ty. So I'm going to be heartbroken for me that this is how he would seek to honor or dishonor me with what I, with what I, I lent him, with what I, I loaned him, with what I trusted to him. But I'm also going to be heartbroken for Ty. You know why? Because had he done well with this in my garage, I had a Maserati that I was going to, yeah, that I was... Uh, it was from a kit. I put it together myself. And I, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, anybody who knows me knows that's a total lie. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I was going to let him have, cause you know what the Bible says? You know what Jesus says in Luke 16? He says, if I entrust you with little, I'll be, I'll be able to trust you with much. The reverse is also true. So I'm not only heartbroken for me, but I'm heartbroken for Ty because he's, he's going to miss, I can't trust him with, with, with anything more. Listen, God has entrusted us with our lives. He's entrusted you with so many things. How are you using it for Him? You know, press yourself up against God's Word and ask yourself the honest question, Lord, just work your way down. Lord, am I honoring you with my mind, with my thought life, with what I'm allowing to dwell in here, with what I'm fantasizing about, with what I'm, you know, you know fixing my, my mind on? Am I honoring you 
with my thoughts, my eyes. They're your eyes. God, you just gave them to me. They're on loan. They're your eyes. Am I looking at good things? Am I closing my eyes to bad things? How about my ears? Lord, am I listening and honoring you with the things that I'm allowing to come into my ear? You know, am I, am I stepping away from conversations that would not, be, would not be great? Am I leaning in and listening to people that need my ear? Lord, am I honoring you with my ear, with my mouth? Am I honoring you with the things that I'm saying? Am I building people up or am I tearing, tearing them down with my hands? God, am I honoring you with, with my hands, with what I do, my abilities, you know, that you have entrusted to me? Am I honoring you with those things? My feet, am I honoring you with where I'm going, with where my legs and my feet are taking me, or with where I'm running from? Because I don't want to go anywhere near that because it's going to dishonor you. God, am I honoring you with that? Am I honoring you with my money? You've entrusted me with my money. Am I honoring you with my money, with my stuff? Am I leveraging my stuff for you? Those are the honest questions, man. Because one day, we're going to have to give an account. So it makes sense to ask those kinds of questions now. If you're, if you're sitting there going, I'm not exactly sure if I am. That's great. That's great that you're honest like that. So you know what? You know how you can be sure? You, you get into God's Word. Because God has done all the heavy lifting for us. And He is telling us so many places in His Word, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I don't want you to do. I want you to give yourself to this. I want you to stay away from this. Right? We don't have to pray about so much of the stuff that we wonder about because God has given us commands, instructions, and principles that say, this is the way I want you to walk. Don't walk this way because sin will only rip you off. It'll only rip you off. So I want to protect you. Right? We don't have to pray about lying. Hey, I wonder if it's a good idea to lie. No, God says don't lie. It's one of his top ten. He says don't, don't lie. Hey, I wonder about sexual immorality. I wonder if I can you know, negotiate with that or think about that. No, God has already done this threat assessment on that. And he says flee. Okay, we don't have to wonder about it. Right? So many things in God's Word, He tells us. Why? Because He loves us. His love is in the instruction. His love is in the warning. Because He wants us to honor Him. Because you know why? He wants to reward you. He does. The very last book in the Bible, Revelations chapter 22, the very last chapter, talks about Jesus coming back. He says, I am coming quickly and I am bringing my reward with me to give to everyone according to what they have done. That's Revelation 22, verse 12. Jesus is excited about rewarding us for just being faithful to him with what he's given us. And you know what I wish Ty would have done with, the, with the, the charger? I wish his first question to me would be, hey, Wes, would you, would you take a, the first drive with me and kind of show me how it handles and show me some of the secret things and, and you know, the gadgets that you've got on this car and just kind of show me? I would love to do that. I would love to do that. You know, one, because I love this car and I want to be able to enjoy it. Plus, I just love hanging out with time. That's God's heart for us. He wants us to ask Him because He will guide us in the right way. Because He is God most high, He has the rightful claim to all of it. So are we honoring Him? Are we honoring Him with our lives, with what He's entrusted to us? Second thing this uh, name means, and it's your second blank there, because God is most high, God has a purpose in our trials. God has a purpose in our trials. Psalm 57.2 says this, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Because he is God most high, no person or no circumstance coming against you can stop God from fulfilling his purposes for you. Can't do it because he is God most high. Now, David wrote Psalm 57, and he wrote it when he was on the run. 
He says, again, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. He, the story, the backstory is this. He's, he's on the run with a band of brothers, right? He's supposed to be king of Israel. He is the rightful king. God promised it to him. He'd already been anointed king, but Saul, the current king, didn't want to give it up. And so he had a murderous intent on hunting David down and actually killing him, murdering him, executing him. And so David is on the run, running, hiding in the wilderness, hiding in caves. And you know what David's attitude could have been? He could have been sitting in a dark, stinky cave going, God, what the heck? What is going on? You promised that I would be king. I've already been anointed. And, let, and yet you let this guy come after me with the army. And I'm having to be on the run. I'm separated from my family. God, what, what's... He could have. He could have gotten angry. And he could have just wallowed in discouragement. But instead, it says, I cry out to God most high. Not I cry out against God most high. You're going to do one or two things. When you hit a trial, you're going to do one or two things. You're going to cry out to God or you're going to cry out against Him. And God says, I want you to cry out to me. I want you to bring your hard questions. I want you to bring your hard emotions. I want you to bring it all. He tells us, He invites us to pour it out in front of Him. He wants to hear that. He's not afraid of it. I mean, again, just read the Psalms. He's recorded some of those Psalms so that we'll know that He is not afraid of our tough questions and our hard emotions. He says, bring them. And so David says, I cry out to God. He anchored himself in the truth that God was most high and that he was going to fulfill what he promised, that he was going to fulfill his purposes for David. And the same is true for you and for me. The same is true for you and for me. That because he is God most high, he will fulfill his purposes for you. No matter your age, no matter your situation, that's what God does because he is God most high. Again, no person or no circumstances coming against you can keep God from fulfilling his purposes for you as you follow him because he's God most high. Another example of that would be the story of Joseph. You guys know the story of Joseph, right? He got sold into slavery, slavery by his brothers. His brothers wanted to kill him, but then they figured they could make some money off him, so they sold him into slavery. You know, he was 17 at the time. You know, he's, he's on the back of a camel all night long, you know, humped over. The, 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 the bindings on his hands are just cutting into his wrist. It was awful, right? He gets there. He gets thrown on a slave auction block. He's bought by this guy by the name of Potiphar. So he goes to work in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Okay, he doesn't know anything about the culture. He doesn't know the language. doesn't know anything. But God was with him. And, and Joseph didn't bail on God. He didn't bail on God because he believed that God was most high. And so you know the story. You know, the, the, the short version is, you know, he does the right thing. And Potiphar's wife tries to have sex with him, and he says no, and, and she accuses him of rape, and he gets thrown in jail. And by the way, just as an aside, I think Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar knew his wife was lying, otherwise he would have killed David. He would have executed him. He knew the kind of wife he was married to, so he just threw him in prison. But still, you're David. I mean, you're Joseph, and you're like, what is going on? What is going on? Right? And, and so he's in, he's in prison. God was with him in prison. You know, helped him there. Helped. Anyway, long story short, with one move, interpreted some dreams. Two years later, two years after that, king has a dream. The guy who was in jail with Joseph remembered, oh, there's a guy who, uh, I remember he interpreted my dream, and he can do it for you. And so Joseph gets moved. He interprets the dream. And he says, it's God. It's not me. It's God. He gives all glory to God. That's how you know. Joseph still stuck with God. He gave all glory to God. And in one move, he gets exalted from 
being in the lowest of low in a prison. Now he's second in command in the most powerful nation of all of Egypt. God blesses him. You know, he saves, he rescues his family. He gets reunited with his brothers. You know, the whole story, it's pretty amazing. You can read it in Genesis. But at the end of the story, Joseph and his brothers, their father dies. And so now his brothers think, Joseph is going to come after us now. He just, he didn't come after us for what we did to him because of dad. But now dad is dead and we are going to be done. And so Joseph comes to him and you know the famous verse because it is epic. In Genesis 50 verse 20, it says this. He says this to his brothers. Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He says, you meant evil against me, but God oversaw all of it and flipped it around for good. And then he says this, to accomplish what is now being done. What is now being done. The saving of many lives. You know what? It wasn't now when he was in Potiphar's household, when he was a slave. It wasn't now when he was in prison for all those years. But it was now that God moved and was fulfilling the plan that he had for Joseph. And Joseph saw it. Listen, there are going to be moments in your life as you're following Jesus and it gets hard and it gets tough and you're like, God, where are you? What's going on? Your now moment is coming. Your now moment is going to come because God is God most high and he fulfills the purposes for your life. I'm hanging on to this for me. I'm hanging on to it for me because I I want to believe this and I'm going to ground myself in it just like David did, just like Joseph did. And we can too and you can too. There's a third thing. It's this, because God is God most high. God is superior to all other, here it is, persons and powers. He's superior to all other persons and powers. The book of the Bible, where El Elyon, God most high, appears most often, is in the book of Daniel. You have it hopefully in front of you, Daniel chapter 3. There's incredible stories in here where God Most High shows up again and again and again and does amazing things. And you know this one. This is super familiar. Never, you know, quick backstory. Quick backstory. 602 BC, Babylon comes in, crushes Jerusalem, defeats, crushes Israel, rounds up the best and brightest of the guys, the young men in Israel, and ships them off to Babylon and puts him in a three-year intensive indoctrination program to flood them with philosophy of Babylon, to uh, rename them, and to give them skills and culture of the Babylonians so that at the end of those three years they can serve that nation that conquered them, Babylon. That was their, their plan. And so, you know, they got Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Nebuchadnezzar was the king, was the ruler. He was a psycho, okay? He was all about himself. And so he built, to show that he was all about himself, he built a giant statue. I think it was 90 feet high, pure gold, okay? Pure gold. Apparently had some gold laying around. So 90 feet, statue, likeness of himself. And here's the deal. He gathered all the people, especially all the important people and leaders around. He says, hey, when I roll the statue out and the band plays, you are to bow and worship and pay homage to my image. And so the band plays, the statue's there, everybody hits the ground, face in the dirt, except for three guys. Daniel wasn't there at the time. Three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You look over the sea of bodies, and there stand three guys. 
Can you imagine the pressure that was on them? They're in their early 20s, maybe late teens. Can you imagine that? Students, imagine you're a student, you're in your auditorium. You got a couple thousand students, let's say. And the guy on the mic stands up and says, if there's any Christians here who are serious about Jesus, I want you to stand up. And you and two other buddies stand up. And there's three of you. Can you imagine the stares that you would get? The pressure that you would feel? Well, that was these guys. But it was way more because they knew it was life or death. Because Nebuchadnezzar had already set the terms. If you don't bow, you're going into the furnace. We're going to kill you. Burn you alive. Not a fun way to die. And there they stood. Nebuchadnezzar, not a happy guy. He grabs the three guys, pulls them in, says, maybe you didn't understand. Maybe you guys are just a little dense. Maybe you don't get it. So I'm going to tell you how this works again. When the statue's there and the band plays, you bow and pay homage to me. Chapter 3, follow along. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. There's going to be moments, if you follow Jesus, that this is going to be you. Probably not life or death. You probably won't get threatened to thrown into the furnace, but pressure. You know, it's going to cost for you to stand up and go, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow to, to the lies of culture. I'm not going to bow to this temptation. I'm not going to bow to this thing. I'm not going to do it. I serve God. I'm not going to bow to this. I'm not going to buy in. I'm not going to be a part of this. You know, I was talking to someone this, uh, this week. And she told me that, uh, you know, she did that. She actually brought up this story. We weren't talking about the story. We were just talking about life. And she brought this story up. She says, that was me. She says, it cost me some relationships in my family. And it cost me my job. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, and she told me the rest of the story, how God honored her. But it, there, was, there was a time when it was, it, was, it was rough. It was rough go. And that's what was happening here. As a Christian, sometimes you're going to have to do that. And you'll never know how serious you are about your faith until it gets tested. You'll never know how serious you are. Right? You never know. I can say all day long that I can bench press 500 pounds. I can say it all day long. I can go around and I can say it. And I can tell you, each of you. I can roll up to your house and say, hey, check this right here. Look at that baby. I can bench press 500 pounds. You know what? I can say it all day until... You say, okay, here's 500 pounds. I just happen to have my workout set. Here it is. I'll put 500 pounds. Go ahead, Wes. <sighs> Crush my chest, okay? There's no way. It's only when it gets tested that you find out if it's true. Only when your faith is tested do you find out how serious you are about it. These guys found out that day. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. I don't even know how you tell that. He's like, just keep... Making it hotter. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. You're not nuts. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. That's how hot it was. The guys throwing them in, they died. 
Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw it into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. God will meet you in the fire. He will meet you in the fire. You will not be alone. You will not be alone. Listen, I'm telling you, your obedience, your obedience always has an audience. Your obedience has an audience. 25, he said, look, I see four men. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the, the satraps, the prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads uh, singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was not even smell of fire on them. Okay, that's something, right? Did you notice how Nebuchadnezzar referred to them when he called them out of the fire? Servants of the Most High God. Here's the application for you and for me. When we choose to obey, we are making a declaration, my God is Most High and He is worthy. Every time we choose to obey, in little ways and small ways, we are making a declaration, my God is most high and he is worthy. And we are shining the spotlight on God. That's what these guys did. And like I said, you will always have an audience for your obedience. Even when you're alone at night and no one sees you and you're tempted to go on your phone and click on an image and you say no and you put it down, you have an audience. The God of heaven and all the angels and Satan and all the demons of hell, they're watching. And you get to declare, God is worthy. My God, most high, is worthy. Every time you obey, every single time. And guess who's taking notes on that? God is. God is taking notes. He sees it all. He's paying attention to it all. And he will reward us for our faithfulness, which he gives us the strength to do. How awesome is that? How terrific is that? That's who God is. That's who he is for us. So, God Most High, El Elyon. Because he is, he has a rightful claim to everything, everyone, everywhere. As a result, are we managing and stewarding our lives well for him? Two, God has a purpose in our trials then are we seeing him and anchoring our lives in who he is and trusting him? And three, God is superior to all other persons and powers. Then are we surrendering to his authority and obeying him? That's what the last three blanks are. We steward our lives. We trust him in our trials. And we surrender with obedience to his authority. We surrender our lives. I mean, we steward our lives, sorry. We steward our lives, we trust him in our trials, and we surrender with obedience to his authority. These are the right words about God, and this is our God, and there is no one like him. 
So just ask yourself, run yourself through these things. God, am I doing this? Is there somewhere in my life that I just, I'm not stewarding well? God, I want to do it well. Help me. You're trusting me with this. I want to honor you with it. You get to be a part of the story that he is writing when you do that. But I'm, I'm going through a hard time and I, it's hard. God, it's just hard. And he knows it's hard, by the way. And he says, you can trust me because I am going to fulfill my purpose for you, even though it may not look like it right now. I did it for David, did it for Joseph. I know how to do it for you. You can trust me because I'm God most high. So cry out to me, unload to me. I invite that. And then finally, surrender. Is there an area you, where you need to surrender to his authority, where you need to obey? You know, you know, you've heard me say it before. Is there an area in your life where you're telling God no? And you need to start telling him yes. That's surrender. Yes is surrender. Right? Talked about last week, Psalm 5.3. Early in the morning, I lay my request before you. God, you are so important to me that I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm coming after you because I want to know you. I want to experience you. That's what we get to do. And by the way, this is the only life we get to do that in, in terms of our obedience and saying no to sin and saying yes to God. In heaven, there won't be the, that temptation. So this is the place where we get to declare our allegiance to him. This is pretty cool. But he leaves a choice with us. He won't force you. He invites you. We get to choose. Let's pray. So heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Thank you guys again so much for your attention. You're awesome. What is it that God talked to you about? What did he talk to you about? He loves you passionately. What did he talk to you about? What are you going to do about it? Just take a moment and respond to him. Just take a moment. He brought you here. Wants to hear from you. Wants to connect with you. If you belong to him, if you're a believer, then the Holy Spirit has spoken something to your heart. Yeah. He takes every advantage of every opportunity that we put before him. He's spoken something. What is that? What do you need to do? What do you need to believe? What do you need to turn from? What do you need to turn to? Whatever it is, just take a moment and respond to him. Final question, if you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life, this is the God who's waiting for you. This is the God who loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth to tie on a cross to pay for our sins because the payment for sin is death. And if nothing changes in our lives, we're going to step off this planet separated from God forever in a place of justice and judgment called hell. And it's not what God wants for us. He's a God of justice so it has to be justice for sin. But Jesus paid that price for us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, so loved you, that He gave His only Son. He pursued you with the life of His Son. Jesus said, I'm pursuing you with my life. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to push you out of the way and take the bullet that was meant for you. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever, whoever, anyone, wide open invitation, whoever believes in Him, not believes about him, but believes, surrenders, commits. Say, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. Jesus, I'm yours. I turn from my sin, I turn to you. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. 
life that never ends, real life. It's a home in heaven, and it starts the moment you invite Christ into your life. He moves you from spiritual death, spiritual life. He comes into your life, and He guides you every step of the way. And when you step off this planet in death, you spend eternity with Him in heaven. If you're here and you say, man, I want that. I want that. Why? I've never invited Christ into my life. I don't know if I'm going to heaven, but I want that. God has talked to me, and I'm going to say yes to Him. Awesome. Then just tell Him that. In fact, let me lead you in a prayer. It's not magic. Just pray these words after me. Just let me help you with some words. Somebody did that for me. Just pray them after me. Mean them as your own. Just say something like this. Silently, just say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe Jesus died for me. That he has life to give me. I want that. So I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Save me. I trust you. and I'm all yours. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, you meant it. I want to remember you in a closing prayer. Just me looking around, no one else. God tells us to make our decisions for him public. Your raised hand starts that process. If you just pray that and you meant it, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can remember you in a closing prayer. Say, Wes, I just prayed it. I meant it. Here's my hand, man. Pray for me. God bless you. I see it. Thank you. Anybody else? No one looking but me. Say, I'm, I'm, Wes, I'm, I'm there. God, just talk to me. I just gave my life to Jesus. This is my moment. Just pray for me. Anybody else? God, thank you so much. Lord, I pray for this one. Help them to know that if they've met business with you, you've met business with them. Moving into their life right now, you keep your word and you keep it instantly. You forgive us of your sin, of our sins, and you move in. And you're doing that right now. God, I pray that they would follow you give their lives to you and find out for themselves how awesome you are. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to know that you are God most high. There is no one greater, no one bigger, no one that deserves more. Lord, may we anchor our life to that. When we are discouraged, may we flood our thoughts with the reality that you are God most high and that you will fulfill purposes, that we can trust you and that you are worthy of our obedience. Lord, may we be a church that is filled with people that loves you like that. Help me to love you like that, God. And thank you for your grace and your patience with us. You're awesome. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.